0: Hi darlings, it's Rebecca from the Dead Darlings podcast. Hope you're all keeping well and safe. For this episode, although we're still in lockdown, we've returned to our normal format, including an interviewee, Rick The Most, who we're speaking to remotely from New Zealand. Rick is an amazing poet, and whether or not you've encountered them before, you're in for a treat. We're really excited to bring you this interview, but we have had a few difficulties with the technology, so the sound quality for some parts of the interview is a little bit patchy. We hope you'll forgive us and enjoy the episode anyway. Thank you, and stay safe, darlings. Hello, and welcome to the Dead Darlings podcast. I'm Rebecca Cooney.
1: I'm Laurie Eaves. And I'm
0: Hannah Hutzma. Dead Darlings is a monthly podcast for the spoken word community in London and beyond. Each month we'll be bringing you interviews, tips and inspiration and above all awesome poetry from London's spoken word scene. We'll be telling you what's on and where you can submit your work.
2: This month we'll be going a long, long way beyond London interviewing Rick the Most, a poet based in New Zealand and chatting about Flesh by Mary-Jean Chan.
1: And we'll, be bringing you, and we'll be bringing you a poetry writing tip from Jamal Hassan and a poetry recording from one of our favourite poets this month. It's going to be, says Thomason. But
0: first, what have you guys been up to this month?
1: Wow, you might have noticed that we're still in lockdown. <laughs> I had, I had <laughs> noticed that. Despite what Dominic Cummings might say, mm. um, we are still in lockdown. Don't go out unnecessarily. But uh, lockdown reading-wise, I've been reading, I read uh animal experiments by anya kunig um which is out on bad betty press um which is a really cool little book uh it's interesting it was really interesting reading it um because quite a few of the poems in it are also featured in anya's pamphlet um that came out a couple of years ago on flip tie um so it was interesting reading a book with poems in it that i'd already read in a different context and seeing how they kind of changed a little bit reading it within a larger collection so that was quite fun um so had that going on also um attended a couple of live gigs uh the word up um online gig with Zena edwards and debris stevenson performing was really fun um been doing a few sort of bits and bobs of podcast recordings um and uh audio recordings i've just just on a mad folly uh put biceps out on cassette tape as well you know bringing it into the bringing it into the 20th century
0: <laughs> i was gonna say do you know where i could buy a, a cassette player where can so I, where I get those you
1: can those? buy a cassette player um from yeah. your local ghetto blaster um warehouse i imagine <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> do we think Woolworths might sell them I think if you go down to, um, our, to our price they might they might be able to help you out or your local virgin mega store um yeah that's that's what i've mostly been doing this month poetry wise um yeah how about you guys
2: um i have been uh performing at a couple of online gigs i've been attending the poetry at your place online slam which is hosted by rick the most who will be talking to you later who may be in the digital room with us hello rick Uh, hi i think i think that's your introduction you can jump in now
3: (laughs) what no i can't jump in yet you're still chatting i I shan't be so rude as to interject i shall
1: (laughs) remute myself i'm sorry
2: oh no 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 don't do that um yeah yeah, so
1: we can mute our guests before we get amazing (laughs) Why haven't we been Never worked
2: up? in person. It was much weirder in person to try again.
1: <laughs> what else Hannah? Uh,
2: um so yeah, I'm partly my internet remains crap. So actually the New Zealand the time difference means that the New Zealand slam is one of the best ones to get to because my internet is still working well at the mornings. So I found evening evening Zoom performances actually incredibly frustrating and everything staggers so I either hotspot all my data or yeah anyway so that's been awesome and i've been really loving also seeing a mix of uk poets i know and love and um poets from the other side of the world who i've never heard of before knocking my socks off and also i've been performing at a couple of gigs hosted by forum plus which is a lgbtq plus um charity in based in camden and islington when when in physical space um they had an event for the International Day Against Homophobia, uh, Biphobia and Transphobia. And so there was a kind of a mixed bill of uh, some activists who've been moving mountains <laughs> since the 80s and some performers. And yeah, it was, it was really, really nice mix to sort of... In real life, I'm usually much more scared of mixed bills because poetry is a bit of a... It's a word that can weird people out. If, if it's not your thing then your opinion of it is probably going to be a bit weird. Um, So I actually found the mixed bill much less weird, I think, online (laughs) than I would have um, in real life. Um, And also I host uh, Insight, which is the monthly open mic night, which we had our first online one uh, this Thursday gone past, I think it was. And I'm finding we could talk to Rick about this a bit more later, but yeah, I'm fairly used to hosting in real life but it's my first time hosting online and sort of the differences that makes um is is the level of energy that you would bring to the stage in person inappropriate when everyone sat in their bedrooms or living rooms the the kind of yeah. yeah um Bye. how do you make it look cabaret-y i was wearing a top hat for the whole thing because fuck it made my little <laughs> picture in the gallery more visibly i'm the host but also i was boiling and i was sat in my room <laughs> so yeah that's i think there's probably a lot of fine-tuning happening across all of those online online variations in how we do this it's, it's kind of an evolving form yeah that was me
0: <laughs> cool yeah no the, the online hosting thing looks really tough i have to say um uh, yeah, we'll get into a bit
3: more. Now I, ju- I just make it look tough. Don't worry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> or you also, even even the fact that, so th- the actual setups of like, is it an open Zoom? Do you then risk people gate crashing it if it's specifically an yeah. LGBTQ plus space? Do you want to promote the Zoom link that hard, but also you don't want to make it difficult for people to attend?
1: I don't know if you guys heard what happened with um, Spork down in Exeter. But they no, ran no. one a couple of weeks yeah. ago. that got crashed with some horrible stuff that's been reported to the police. Um, oh fuck! So, like, I mean, promoters listening, like, for yeah, God's sake, don't just flash your um, flash your link about because there are people who are using it in terribly inappropriate ways. I'm not even going to go into it, but like, no, yeah. it was
3: quite horrifying. Eh, I mean, I, I'm happy to talk and share some best advice uh best yeah. practice that i've found later on regarding how you can safeguard as much as possible you know like with any event a live event there's only so far we can safeguard but we take every uh measure that we can and there's i don't know maybe later on we can
0: yeah, discuss please. some of
3: that i don't know how much i should interject at this point i don't want to interrupt <laughs> the whole right chat away. thing. i insisted yeah, that no. you talk in front of me and now i'm interrupting <laughs> immediately
0: no please <laughs> no well, how's your month been rick
3: oh goodness um well i don't know it's it's kind of i don't want to sort of bring it down too much but it's it's difficult at the moment if i'm honest not feeling too great right now but then i don't kind of see how anyone can feel great right now considering you know what our african american family and people of color around the world are facing and seemingly continually faced with it's kind of devastating and heartbreaking and completely immoral and unfair and i yeah can't imagine the pain they feel right now but you know we do what we can and that's kind of what I've been spending a lot of today in the last couple of days trying to shape myself out of that kind of paralyzed state when a problem feels so much bigger than us and trying to get around to that okay but what actions can be taken how can I provide support to people whether that be like emotional financial creating platforms I'm not completely sure yet but yeah if I'm honest you know that's where I'm at at the moment and I am mm-hmm. I think honesty is always the best way in these scenarios um that being said i I would like to say i am feeling a lot better having spoken to you folks even just briefly for these few minutes it's really (laughs) lovely to hear your voices and um also just hearing how much is going on in terms of poetry still in the uk as well i'm trying to check in there a lot myself you know via the online platforms but this is such a cool podcast for that i i'm not lying I don't need to plug it if people are listening to this they've already already like it but (laughs) I genuinely do listen to your podcast and it's a real nice way for me to keep contact with my poetry family in the UK so despite tough times you folks do help raise my spirits
0: Mm. (laughs) thank you yeah no I I think that has been one of the really lovely kind of byproducts of of the whole COVID thing has been you know the online events and, and sort of yours in particular but you know just you know, being able to attend events in cities that you don't live in suddenly mm-hmm. means that you are seeing different poets and you are expanding the network and the community a little bit. And, yeah, I think that is something we're going to have to think about sort of when things go back to normal.
2: Can We definitely we need to continue that in some way. I've been... Yeah. Occasionally there's people from, I mean, within the UK, but out far enough outside of London that I'd usually only see them at the Edinburgh Fringe, who I've now seen online a couple of times this week. That's awesome. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think... We can get kind of spoilt being based in London that the whole world comes to you. But that doesn't mean that that should, only, that should be the only direction of travel. And yeah. also that, yeah, these barriers don't need to, the, the physical barriers don't need to count for that much, given, given what we can do with tech. So we definitely should be doing that more, even when we can meet up in person as well. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I'm loving it. It's great. For someone like me who's living abroad and has so many, you know, beautiful poetry family members scattered around the world, this is fantastic. And I have absolutely no intention of stopping your place once the <laughs> lockdown's done. <Yay>.
0: Amazing. <laughs> yes, that was gonna be one of our questions actually. So this is this is good to know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Jumping <Right>. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> should we get to your month Rebecca, yes. and then and then um, let's let's we're clearly itching to get to the interview yes the interview
0: yeah no, oh god my month uh i haven't really done very much uh i have joined on the on your place poetry events a couple of times uh saw anna khan's set which i haven't seen anna khan perform enough in no, the last couple of years and a legend! yeah she was so, it was such a good set
3: I'm very stoked about that
0: Yeah, it was so good. And she did this great thing with like tarot cards because she was like, "Well, I've got my set all lined up, um, so I want to introduce some random into it, and and sort of playing around with tarot cards." And it was just really, it was just a really nice kind of again this sort of shared experience that was quite clever. It was
3: genius.
0: (laughs) It was. It was indeed. So yeah. uh, What else have I been doing? Trying to write a little bit. I don't know about anybody else. I've not really been that productive during Mm. lockdown. Mm. Uh, It's one of those things I've been trying to. Forgive myself
1: for
2: that. I feel like we're we're not going to immediately have the perfect words for a situation this damn weird. Like, it's...
1: Frankly, I'm not sure we want to be, or I'm not feeling in any way inclined to write about it. It's... No, me
3: neither. I think yeah. also with something that's so rapidly changing, it's <clears throat> almost a frustration to try and write about it and keep it current with the way the situation develops yeah. and shifts. yeah. yeah. And also we're inundated by it. You know, it's, it's everywhere we look right now and often writing is kind of an escape for us and so suddenly really? the topic of our escape becomes the topic of our prison.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But then if you want to write about something else, I'm finding, because you're not out and about, you're not sort of sparking ideas off in the same yeah. way perhaps mm. and sort of having the interactions that might spark something normally. Yeah. Um, I've True. been trying to write a poem about my kettle for a long time and it's really not happening. Um, I've been working <laughs> on it.
3: Oh. <laughs> As if a I'll pandemic can't it. push you to write that. What can?
1: Yeah. <laughs> cool. Should we do the interview?
0: Yes, let's yeah. do the interview. Uh, so through the magic of the internet, this month's interview is with Rick the Most. Rick is an internationally touring poet, having performed shows in the UK, Australia, Canada, America, New Zealand, and Finland. As a well-known figure on the UK spoken word scene, they have featured at numerous events and venues, including the Royal Albert Hall, Apples and Snakes events, poetry in London, Lost Lectures, and the Secret Garden Party, as well as winning numerous slams. Before moving down under four years ago, they ran the long-standing Spoken Word Night in London, Forget What You Heard About Spoken Word with Matt Cummings, and managed the Spoken spoken Word Stage at NOSDOC Festival for a number of years. They have represented Australia at the American National Poetry Slam Finals in Denver and are the 2017 Wellington New Zealand Slam Champion. They are also the founder and host of Your Place Events, an online accessible creative community with free weekly live-streamed events. So, Rick, hello. That doesn't sound
1: bad, does it? I would (laughs) book them. (laughs) Can we can we just can we just do another intro? Which is, we've got Rick the most on this podcast, people. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's it. They
0: also, I I feel like I should have written some stuff. They also have amazing eyeliner game. Like every time (laughs) I log into um into your place events, I'm like, oh, what have they done with their eyeliner today?
1: Yeah, we're only recording audio today, so we can't even see the eyeliner. That's a shame.
3: Well, you're missing out. I mean, no, I, I'll admit, I part of me did think about still beating my face, but um, I must admit, I gave myself a night off. The skin has to recover, my darlings. This <laughs> is um, I'll give you my alternative bio opening line, by the way, that people might oh, yeah. like. Rick The Most is a vegan, queer, non-binary, polyamorous spoken word artist who spends most of their spare time making homophobes feel uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) A valid and noble purpose. (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: my current tagline anyway.
0: Oh, beautiful. Cool. (laughs) Amazing. So could you kick us off with a poem, Rick?
3: I can kick you off with a poem. I would love to kick you off with a poem. Um... Much like yourselves, I haven't been writing a whole heap lately. I've been spending most of my time producing Your Place. But the most recent poem I have written, luckily, is also one of my favourite pieces. And I'm going to perform that for you now. Hang on, Rick. Is this new shit? Um, it's about as new as you're going to get from me. So feel free to extend your lungs with a shout of new shit if that so pleases you. New, new shit! shit! People are going to go, I heard them performing this like a few weeks ago. This isn't new shit. Anyway, um, (laughs) yeah, this poem is called Letting Sleeping Gods Lie. As a child, I often had trouble sleeping. You see, I was scared easily. I still am. A child, I mean. I think everybody is. Scared, I mean. At least I think... I'm not the only one who thinks. I mean, I hope, but try not to, because hoping doesn't do anything. I learnt that as a child. Yeah, hoping cannot change anything. Only change can do that. But as a child, I was scared of things changing, so I'd sit and hope that things would never change, which changed nothing, so I guess it worked. I think we all did. Guess what worked, I mean. That and hoping it does as a child i tried believing not in big things like gods or magic no nothing big but small things like people but as i got older i saw more playing god than good and less magic than i'd hoped there would be i think we all did play gods i mean in our heads, we each control at least one whole human, and that's pretty scary. What a responsibility! I mean, have you seen the state my ones in? Can't even complete a full thought clearly without deviating. In fact, let me tell you some thinking about two sentences before getting and realizing. No wondering between being afraid, afraid mess, miss most of the point. Pain, pin, pain. By the way, things are getting out of hand. Tie me up in. Not dealing very well with all of this. Can we just take a second? Can we just take a minute? Can we just? Can we Can Can we just? Can we just? We adjust to it. We change. Told things can't always stay the same. Don't make a fuss no matter how much it scares the child still inside of us. Just hope that shift is fast and painless because I mean by this point you've already put so much into it, you've got the keys to a house and you've bought a couch that fits in that awkward space between the TV and the strange sloping recessy bit, what is it, like an alcove? Ah well, you know, we'll just get it sorted when we have the extension, the extension didn't I mention we're getting the kitchen done last chance before the kids come along, well Sarah's putting in the extra hours while she still can and by that time I'll have the manager position, we won't be able to go about changing things then a whole life fitted into an alcove of time so we can stop again man we just want to stop again for about 18 to 30 years say and many never leave this way it's like we'd rather this familiar fear here until it becomes the usual becomes normal becomes every day becomes not worth mentioning because nobody does so Nobody does. Is anybody noticing our bodies turn to dust? I mean, probably too busy buying couches, squeezing them into sloping, repressed spaces like our minds, which is fine, I guess. Never taught as a child to fear this type of stasis. Just told, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. No instructions. If you don't, just hope and clap your hands. At the end of the show, it is polite to clap your hands. And everybody is clapping their hands for the end. Like a child, I mean like a seal of approval, not a standing ovation in case somebody removes all the seats they've been saving. It's like everybody else is slipping into place and there's one chair too few and the music stopped long ago. I should have bought a couch, I suppose. But I've seen far too many slip down the back of it, like lost change. And I don't just mean chasing money, but the ability, no. I'm not ready to sit yet. But I'm constantly warned if I don't now, I might never be able to. Like our legs lose the privilege of bending if we don't kneel before the pressures that make them, that threaten to break them, like they're doing us a favour. I mean, life does feel longer when you're comfortably sat stuck, that slope space smaller as we get taller, yet people tell you to grow up, and that scares me. People, I mean, sitting comfortably. Whilst I am once again only starting to begin, they may see me as childish. I am struggling not to see the gods dying inside of them. I think many of us are struggling, I mean. Perhaps that's why we're not keen on changing anything, just hoping, because whilst we may be unhappy, we may never be this happy again. So we avoid the itch in case scratching reveals, we've never actually been bitten, still acting like we're twice shy, having to explain why we've stopped running, why we are scared, we are chasing something outside of our capabilities of ever really catching, like the dreams we labelled dreams because it'd take too long to sleep them, insomnia, act, awake, away till a greater God retrieves them permanently. I mean, not that I'm living perfectly... Not by any means, I am still scared, constantly, unprepared thoroughly. I'm nowhere near outside of my capability, but I want to be, yeah, I want to be a god growing bigger than the alcove they can put me in. I mean, I am chasing often. I mean, meaning, I am catching something like breathing. Sometimes I am happy, I hope. Not that that does anything, just something, something like happy. I choke, and someone somewhere is clapping. They joke about drawing closer to an ending. That sloped space born over our life we know is drawing thin. Recline their chair, it is coming, pressing closer to the ground. Yet somehow I am still standing. Well, sometimes sort of standing, but shorter have been since we were children. Greeted by the feet of all the seated people sleeping but it is tiring and I am scared and they are sleeping for a reason
2: <laughs>
3: thank you <all. laughs>
2: goodness how do you follow that <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, I don't know questions about stuff that yeah, okay. we can pretend we, matters we can can <laughs> so
2: yeah how how
0: did you first get into spoken
3: word then? <clears throat> how did I get into it? um well, back when my parents were still feeling amorous like that, I was born, and um no, we don't need to go that far back, do we? Um,
1: Maybe not. I've
3: actually I've. Well, we can go that far back, but it might be a different type of podcast. I've always been into poetry. Like I've, I was very kind of fortunate, actually, at primary school. I'm always giving shout outs to my headmistress at primary school, Mrs. Scarnell. So I'm going to just do that again. Shout outs to Mrs. Scarnell. Um, every week in assembly, she would read Michael Rosen and Yay. perform it. It wasn't just reading it, but she'd perform it. And as a child, I just remember absolutely falling in love with Michael Rosen. And my mum also used to write bits of poetry and I loved hearing the things she did. She drew illustrations as well. And so, yeah, from a very young age, I was always really into poetry. And that just kind of developed through when I was a teenager, getting into people like uh, Philip Larkin. Mm -hmm. You know, like the poetry, don't have to like the person. Um, (laughs) And I've always been very much into music particularly uh love hip-hop I love rhythms I love lyricism and I was a break dancer as a lot of you know and so then just kind of finding that you can combine the love that I had of poetry from a very young age with this lyricism with the rhythms that I love in hip-hop and in the dancing that kind of stole my heart and then, yeah, uh, with the rise of things like YouTube, I'm old enough to say with the rise of things like YouTube because that <laughs> happened. Um, <laughs> just, you know, discovering poets like, uh, you know, Taylor Marley and Paper Girl and Buddy Wakefield and mm-hmm. other contemporaries in the UK like John Berkovich, Polar Bear, David Jay, all of those. It was kind of, I was lucky actually. My brother, he's a far better breakdance than I ever was. He was touring with John Z. D., very famous uh, hip hop theatre practitioner, producer, director. And they were touring with the show Tag, just writing my name. And my brother was dancing, and Berkovich was doing the spoken word in that show. And I remember traveling up north, I think it was in Sheffield, to see them perform. And I remember thinking, I want to do some of that, you know? <laughs> I want to do that. I want to try it out. I want to see if I can do it. And so I did. I had a little go with it. And then I live out. Well, I used to live out of London in Southend-on-Sea. And I looked up some open mics in Southend, did those. And then a couple of people there said, you need to head into London. So I did. And... Yeah, did did my rounds, you know. We were around Jaw Dance and Poetry Cafe and Sage and Time and hanging out at the Biscuit Factory and Bang Said the Gun, all those good old events. Won a few slams, got a few features. Found Forget What You Heard with Matt Cummins. Am I going too far now? I don't know. No. I'm, no, I just man. get carried no, away. No, I got my history, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about Forget.
3: About Forget. You know about Forget, but I can tell you about
2: Forget. <laughs> yeah, when did it start off? I remember attending, but I don't, I don't think I was there. How long have you been performing?
3: Uh, it's funny, you, you, just before we started recording, yeah. you asked me when did I perform at the World Finals for the Team Slam Championships, and I couldn't remember the date, and now you're asking me when yeah, did I start. sorry.
2: <laughs> Where were you on the night of the 24th? That's what we Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs>
3: Just, I was just loving Matt. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> I know. Well, you know what? Forget what you heard. Whenever it started, it's timeless. Um, Matt and I just kind of wanted a place where it didn't cost if you couldn't afford it, where it wasn't competitive. You know, Slam was a very big thing at the time, still is, but, you know, it was at that irritating level. It, of it was the default. Yeah, it was the default version of Slam. Um, so we wanted somewhere that wasn't that competitive we wanted just somewhere where it was love where it was it was just about coming together and I know it sounds so cliche but it really was about that about coming together for the poetry you know we had that dingy ass venue down in Ryan's bar that wasn't open half the time anyway we ended up holding half the events at either the cemetery over the road or at people's houses or on there the was streets that one
1: with, the, with the with the house wasn't there at the very end yeah we went
3: we walked for about an hour and a half to have an event at someone's <laughs> house it was tom mansfield let us into his house
2: and we went and we had,
3: yeah. i forget what you had there
2: yeah and that was even i think one of the roads we walked along was called something like poetry avenue or poets avenue so we everyone got a group I photo still have that a photo. yes
3: yeah i have that photo for <laughs>
2: Also, before you came on the call, I was reminiscing uh, at <laughs> uh, Laurie and Rebecca about because I I can't remember. I think I have started going to stuff in about two thousand and nine. I remember cause it was like when I came back from uni back to London, and I fell in love with it enough to be like that. That became my default performance and audience space um, and all the rest of it. But I really felt like. When I started out, the atmosphere wasn't bad. Obviously, I chose to go along. But I did feel like when I did say more feminist-y pieces that that might be controversial, maybe. And I really feel like Forget What You Heard was pretty crucial in opening up the London poetry scene to be more a place where you could talk more about feelings and your personal experiences and where minority voices could be heard loud and clear. And I think that was that was hugely part of the atmosphere that you guys created with your hosting. I was wondering how much you kind of you you set out to do that clearly, but sort of how <laughs> how do you foster that kind of environment?
3: Um, I think it largely comes down to not being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Matt and I spent a lot of time practicing. Our undickish behaviour. <laughs> so then, on stage, minimal dickishness came about.
2: <laughs> but you obviously set the expectation for the audience too. Like, it's not just absence of being a knob; it's also presence of something more positive.
3: I mean, Matt and I—we always wanted it to be it's not even necessarily about just being positive, it's about being honest and authentic is the word Mm. that I'm looking for, authenticity and I think Matt and I tried as best as possible to be our authentic selves on that and I know it gets overused quite a bit but that kind of gives permission again for other people, it doesn't just give permission but it encourages them to be authentic Mm -hmm. I think you will have noticed with our hosting, I think often with hosts you feel like you have to always have the answer because you're the person kind of driving but at forget we wanted to show that honesty and vulnerability in showing that actually we didn't always have the responses ourselves i think one instance that stands out to me a while back i remember david lee morgan did quite a challenging piece on our open mic one night and it was me going up to talk afterwards and i thought actually I don't quite know what I want to say about this yet I need some time to process this so instead of getting up and either bumbling on and saying nothing about it or trying to cheese through it I just said I'll be honest with you um I'm not entirely sure what my thoughts are on that yet I need a bit of extra time to process it and if I need that I'm assuming you probably do so we're just going to put the music on for five minutes and have a chat about it David's here you can ask him any questions Hmm. I think that sort of authenticity in your hosting is what really drove that the feeling that you got at least i hope that's part of what drove that feeling that yeah. you got from it
2: no i remember not necessarily one with david lee morgan but i i remember a different time where yeah someone had done a pretty a pretty challenging poem it was it was about a potentially very triggering subject and from the way some people in the audience reacted you knew it had really and and again you did a yeah. let's let's just take a couple of minutes chat to the person near you we're not going to a break this isn't an interval but let's all process a bit and i'd never seen anything like that before but was really impressed by it
0: that's quite a neat way of getting around that sort of conundrum that there is around performance poetry and sort of particularly particularly with slam but sometimes in open mic as well sort of performing your pain for applause Mm. for like to, to sort of say actually we do need to react to that rather than you know okay cool you've had your claps we'll have the next person up sort of thing
3: Almost. yeah absolutely
0: the other thing with kind of forget what you heard was kind of there was also this kind of playing around with format a little bit wasn't there with um, sort of the couch of contemplation and things like that and uh... (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah I just was curious about kind of where that kind of desire to mess around with format that way came from
3: Okay, so the couch of contemplation. Chim, 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 chim. So, for those that don't know, a very quick wrap-off of it was: it was an open mic format that Matt and I came up with. And rather than having a set list of poets that we're going to come up and perform, Anyone who wanted to perform would come along. We'd start the section with a poem. If then you have a piece that you feel is either related to that poem or counters that poem or uses a similar device or can continue a conversation, you'd come and join us on the couch by the end of that poem. And then we'd take a three-minute break with some music on and we'd discuss amongst the poets on the couch which person we thought would go on next to continue the story. And so then it enforces this idea of, you. if you want to perform, you're going to have to be listening. You can't just sit there, <laughs> wait for your bit, and then disappear. Because if you want to perform, you need to have been listening. And it creates cohesion and community and appreciation and respect. Um, we came up with that originally because, I mean, <laughs> We found that during August and December, because of the Fringe and Christmas, our events were really quiet and because we didn't um, charge a whole heap on the door, I think we were the cheapest event in London, um, (laughs) we couldn't afford to pay a feature at that time. So we didn't want to skip the event because people still come along, we're a family, and so we needed something that would happen that we didn't have a feature. And then actually we realised people really like this, so it became far more of a common event than we even intended and we've done callbacks, we did a special event at boomerang club last last time i was in the uk and still have people messaging about the couch i'm actually thinking about doing it at your place real soon you'll see my Mm -hmm. digital version of the couch of contemplation real soon Mm,
1: that's probably a good good opportunity to uh, talk a little bit more about your place um we've been we've been way in the past so bring us bring us from forget up to where you are now (laughs) (laughs) In a whirlwind.
3: <laughs> Bring us up to it, as in filling in all oh, the gaps right. in between.
1: <laughs> fill in what you can.
3: Uh, oh, goodness me. Um, well, I moved to Australia at one point in time. Um, and people always say, you know, why? Why do you shift around the other side of the world? Um, and honestly, it really comes down to the importance of elsewhere. I mean, it could have been anywhere, but... I yeah it it was a place the partner I was with at the time wanted to go there and I thought yeah sure why not I'm like a year away from losing the ability to have a working holiday visa so let's use it so I went to Australia and first big slam I could find was slam -a a ding dong in Melbourne I went and won that and got in very tight with the poetry community in Melbourne and toured around the rest of Australia as well there's some fabulous events around there um I won't list them off, actually, because I'll get scared I'll miss any. But message me if you're going around Australia, because I've got loads of great events there. that They'd love to have you. And ended up running out of time in Australia, and I wasn't organized enough to extend my visa. But just before my visa ran out, I did manage to qualify to represent Australia at the American World Slam Team Championships over there. So I went from Australia to a brief stopover in the UK to competing over in America, touring in Texas... And then I realized I wasn't quite ready to stop traveling. And so I went over to New Zealand and started performing, slamming around New Zealand as well. Became Wellington Slam champion, got second a couple of times at their national finals over here and made a whole heap of friends. There's some really good events again in New Zealand. If you're ever coming over here, message me because I can definitely help you with touring. And I'm all about sharing information and now here I am on a, what is, what's the name of my visa? Goodness me, that's not a good thing, is it, when you can't remember the name of your own visa. Exceptional Talent in the Arts visa. Oh, yeah. Wow. Ooh. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's genuinely a visa that you can have in New Zealand. It's not necessarily easy to get. I had to get about 20 letters of reference from various places around the world, and... New Zealand Poetry Society sponsored me and a university uh, yes. over here sponsored me. So now I'm over here on a what they call an exceptional talent in the art.
2: What you're saying is you literally have a piece of paper that says you have exceptional talent. <laughs> I genuinely do. <gasps> so
4: I want cool. one. <laughs>
1: why, Rick, I've got to ask the question. When I go on your website, that is not the headline. Why, why, <laughs> is why, it not? why have you got spoken word artist writer workshop facilitator host and not exceptional
3: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i guess i haven't called that far up my own ass yet
2: that would be my twitter banner profile (laughs) picture
1: immediately
3: well i i should reconsider that i mean i will hopefully be going for um residency on that visa at some point so maybe i should accept it more wholly
4: (laughs)
0: Uh, so you've been in new zealand and you were in new zealand for the lockdown and that kind of led to the birth of uh your place poetry events so tell us about how that came out about and and, and what you tried to create there
3: so um oh actually i forgot even to say it. i've been touring with a circus over here yeah. that's another ridiculous yeah. thing i've been doing
1: i keep telling people rick's run over to the to, new to, zealand join, the to join the circus and never came back <laughs> <laughs> which isn't untrue <laughs>
3: it's not untrue and that's what's so funny yeah people always joke about running away with the circus but i actually (laughs) literally have done it um the circus thing came about because my visa was running out and i actually didn't know i was on an interim visa awaiting the verdict on the exceptional talent visa and in that meantime i was in a bit of a limbo because you can't really work you can't really set up shop anywhere because if they deny your visa you have to leave within 24 Whoa. hours it's literally wow. that strict wow. so i was living on an absolute tightrope for a couple of months while i waited okay. the but i'd been touring around and these great folks called the wandering circus with Zanti and tanya they contacted me and said they were touring around with the circus and because I didn't have a place really to live at the time because you can't set up any kind of contracts while you might have to leave within 24 hours they got me to join their circus as a part of their cabaret performance doing spoken word also hosting their circus events and shows that we were doing and I got really into my juggling I do a lot of juggling and whatnot now as you know with my background with dancing and all of that I enjoy being physical and so yeah, join the circus but your question wasn't about that so you can cut all of that out (laughs) if it's rubbish Um, your question was about your place Um, so your place is Yeah, an online completely accessible or as accessible as I can currently make it, and I'm still working on that online event. Uh, It's a community. It's something I've wanted to do for a long old time. Uh, Those of you that know from the UK know that, again, Matt and I ran Noz Slam, which had a large online uh, first-round element to the slam. We, We ran it through YouTube submissions. But I didn't want to do another kind of youtube based event because it becomes a bit more of like a popularity contest who can get the most likes that sort of thing
2: who's friends are the (laughs) spammiest yeah
3: right and also i've said before that i was a break dancer but a while back i injured my hip and i've got chronic pain in my hip and my lower back from that and i don't dance anymore because of it and As us silly humans are, often until something directly affects us, despite being aware of it being problematic, we don't really take action on it until it directly is impinging on our own lives. Um, It's a horrible trait that we have, but let's look at lockdown, you know, we're all aware that accessibility is a thing that impinges on so many people's lives in so many different ways, and yet until it affects everyone, suddenly it's become the thing that we need to focus on. Mm. But... Likewise, I've been wanting to make an accessible online event for a long time, and the lockdown seemed like a perfect opportunity for me to do that. And so I think my first event was even before the lockdown got called. I just thought, you know what, this is what I need to do. One, because of the accessibility. Two, because arts need to prevail no matter what the situation is. It is a vital service to everybody. And also because, like so many artists, I suddenly found myself in a position where all of my work was gone and living over here meant that I didn't have access and still don't have access to any funding or government assistance or help. And so it was like, right, this necessity, as I'm always saying, necessity breeds creativity. And in that scenario, it was like, well, you've had this Mm -hmm. plan for a while. Mm -hmm. Let's do this.
0: Amazing. And, and how have you found the kind of process of running the event different to running a live event? It's something we touched on earlier, but yeah, I just wondered if you could expand on that. It's,
3: it's different in so many ways, but similar in so many others uh, as a general response there. But I will go a little bit more specific, don't worry. So, so many poets will tell you that have been engaging and doing online features. Doing an online feature is a very different beast to doing a live feature. Uh, the thing that most poets immediately notice and struggle with is the lack of audio response without, without that audio mm. feedback. You know, we get the clicks, we get the claps, and suddenly not having that is quite disconcerting. You almost start questioning whether you're doing a good job if people are actually feeling it. You don't get that feedback loop. And so uh, one, that was one of my first things that I wanted to kind of combat And the way I've done that, those of you that have been at your place will know that the chat section of your place is absolutely key. It's the community voice. And I really encourage the audience, the community, to engage with the chat function as much as possible. The way they do that, they'll write out lines that they like from poets as they're performing and then afterwards we will read through so the poets get that immediate Mm -hmm. feedback of what lines are hitting in the same way Mm -hmm. they can just type in quick c's into the chat a quick cc means like a click click or you can do the video gallery feedback for the visual you can do a quick unmute as well sometimes we do that but we give a bit of a headphone warning cuz it can be quite overbearing suddenly having <laughs> 60 70 odd people cheering at once but there's a lot of ways you can bridge that gap and in terms of running it I mean as a host again just being the vocal conduit for that chat and providing a feedback showing people that you've seen it and responding but also not getting too sidetracked by it making sure you can maintain your own path it's like if you were hosting on stage in a physical venue and you responded to every single heckle that occurred you know you probably wouldn't get through um so you it's finding different ways of using the skills you already have and applying them to that new medium and once you've bridged those gaps it's really not that different in fact i find i feel like i have more of a connection with more people from the online events than necessarily i get the opportunity to in a physical event which is really quite refreshing and surprising
1: and how do you feel that your role as a promoter changes if at all working in the online space we before we clicked on the mics we were talking about sort of safeguarding stuff um and wanted to get your perspective on that
3: yeah i think luckily From Forget What You Heard, safeguarding was something that Matt and I used to speak about in depth with each other and also fielding it from the community. I mean, Anna Khan, who we were talking about just earlier, that was last feature at your place, was a tremendous help and a font of knowledge for safeguarding and different approaches and giving perspectives that I won't necessarily have thought of. Like, very handy in the same way uh, I wanted to bring that knowledge into the online space because it's not about just, you know, it's not about suddenly we're in the online space and now we don't have to take care of our community, it's like, no, there's even more so because mm. we're we're vulnerable here. It's not a case of having a bouncer on the door or something, which, you know, we, we don't really have at physical events, but sadly we've found sometimes is needed. In the same way, online, it's even easier for people to access that, especially when an event is, for example, like your place, is pay what you can afford. Because I don't want finances to be a barrier to accessing art. But at the same time, if I haven't got the finances, I can't give people the art they're trying to access. But when someone doesn't have to pay physical money to get into a place, it's even easier for a troll to be there. You know what I mean?
1: Hmm.
2: And they don't. It's not costing them anything in transport. No, exactly.
3: Yeah. So I would, we said earlier that I would cover some ideas and some pointers about how to safeguard in that mm. scenario. So your place uses Zoom, and we then live stream that on facebook so people can access it in two different places i encourage people to join the zoom room because it's more of an interactive place it's where we largely monitor the chat and yeah i I quite enjoy having people in that room but i know some folks aren't keen on zoom for some of the reasons we were discussing earlier like zoom bombing is a thing um but there are ways that you can counter that and things that i do at your place Uh, events do have a password on them i'd also really recommend that promoters have a waiting room set so that people can't just have the password get into the event and do what they like if you have a waiting room set up then the host has to allow people in individually likewise Mm. having settings switched off like the ability for people to change their names I switch that off because if someone's being offensive in the chat and they can change their name, then it's very hard for us to track them. So if they can't change their name, we see the comment and we boot them. In the same way, um, I've been a little bit worried lately at a couple of events I've turned up and seen that they haven't disabled the function for people to be able to share their screens. That's how a lot of horrible stuff is happening right now. So promoters, please go into your browser settings for Zoom. You won't be able to do it under the app settings you have to go into the browser settings and turn off other people's ability to share screens set that only to the host and people that you're allowing um same with having microphones muted and not allowing people to just turn on their microphones you can that's a setting that you can restrict yourself as well i also have two moderators at your place uh, melanie McKurchar and emma bell who join us every week and i can't have eyes on everything though i do have eyes on everything else um they keep an eye on the chat and they're our moderators in the chat room live so there's lots of ways you can safeguard and nothing's going to be a perfect fix but you can absolutely minimize that risk
1: that's really, really useful. Thank that's you. That's a very comprehensive list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Ooh. I think that's uh, something I'll... that we're all adapting to in the new world, isn't it? I think, Rebecca, you had something?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, I wanted to kind of uh, sort of, I'm keen not just to talk about kind of the events you run, even though they're amazing, but also to talk about your work a little bit mm. as well. What motivates your work and, and how would you say it's changed over the years?
3: Um, moving around is always useful. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the importance of elsewhere cannot be understated. Just by being in a different environment stimulates different ideas and takes you on different paths. And, you know, like me joining the circus, for goodness sake, that came off of the back of doing... A show in Takaka which is quite out of the way of the beaten track like Takaka is at the northwest point of the South Island in New Zealand and you take a road over a hill that takes about an hour to go over this hill into Tarkaka and then there's no road out the other side you literally go into Tarkaka and to come out of Tarkaka you have to come back the way you came (laughs) so it's quite a way off of the route but I went that way because someone said to me this is a really cool place you have to visit so I went there booked a show a beautiful place called the Muscle Inn and it just so happened that there were some glorious circus hippies there that saw me that night and afterwards on the stage i didn't really have a place to stay after that night so i said look if you want to talk some more and you enjoyed my poetry i need a place to stay so let's meet up and they invited me back to theirs i ended up staying with them for about a month because there was a big storm a few days later that closed the road out of out of tarkka so i got stuck there um but yeah so i think taking those taking those strange seeming opportunities sometimes it can really lead you places now i'm touring with that circus those people that let me stay at their house i've toured twice around new zealand with them once in australia with them and we've got other tours coming up in the future um and yeah keeping moving meeting new people it there's opportunity everywhere there really
1: is it's been really interesting seeing you have before you left for down under for Australia originally and then coming back uh and seeing how your work has developed and progressed from the perspective of having not seen you for yeah it's been like okay I've seen I've seen Rick there we go end of that chapter a few years pass you come back and boom like there's like from an outsider perspective it's been really interesting to see to see you into sort of different phases if you like you've seen it progress
3: (laughs) there's definitely uh shifts and phases in me i mean in the last in from the time you knew me originally in the uk to now obviously i've transitioned come out as non-binary and found myself in a happier place than i've been in a long time because of that and Again, that has come through... It it was born originally, again, shout-outs, funny enough, to Anna Kahn. She introduced me to my first ever non-binary person that I met and that started questioning there. But um, through travel, again, the different places I've gone to and experiencing the different ways that places engage with their art. I mean, I don't like to make generalisations because... If you're going to do poetry in London or you're going to do poetry in South End or you're going to go up to Sheffield, you're going to get a different poetry community. So I can't say the UK is X, Y, and Z in poetry. But heading over to America and seeing the slam scene there, very intense, very competitive, very calculated in their approach. Like There's full-on <laughs> slam um, like scheduling and plans and how they're going to go about it. Yeah, and yeah. then you know, even seeing in Australia out in the rural areas, the bush poetry, and then coming over to New Zealand and hearing, like, Maori poetry and how that links in with their indigenous heritage and all of these things are... Uh, you can take influence from everywhere. I'm always saying that poetry is just taking the time to notice things with intention. And if you travel around enough and if you pay enough attention and absorb it with intention it's going to influence you and yeah i i like to think that there's at least been some sort of growth on my part <laughs> <laughs>
0: definitely one of the words that came up when i was kind of researching you for this interview was honest or and and i think you've talked a little bit about honesty and authenticity in producing nights and things like that but yeah i was just wondering is that something you consciously strive to achieve in in your own work
3: absolutely authenticity is 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 key to me I think the one thing that can, well, there's many things, but the main thing that can ruin a poem and can be smelt a mile off is inauthenticity. It's galling and often (laughs) rears its ugly head. In a slam situation, you you can see an inauthentic poem when it's not their story, when they're not really invested, but they're trying to play a plan out, you know? And authenticity is just so key to me, not just in poetry, but general interactions and it comes down to the idea of you know you build the world that you want to live in and like the cheater is always going to be worried that they're going to get cheated on and the person who steals is always going to be worried about being stolen from and if you're the if you know that you're going around engaging inauthentically with people being d- dishonest, then you bring that into your life. It's not about being naive. I'm aware that people are going to be dishonest, whether I am or not. But the very fact that you're making a conscious decision to be authentic shows you that other people as humans as well are likely to be making that choice. And it just makes things easier. <laughs> <laughs> Drop some philosophy bombs. There. I think
2: there's also something about it takes, I, I don't know whether you see it this way. But I feel like these days, there's enough sort of North American influence, at least in the UK, that like partly things like uh, Nights Like Forget What You Heard and Boomerang have like made things much more open hearted and you can, those spaces have been created. But also I think there has been this North American influence that sharing some truth is kind of part of the genre now. But I think it, takes quite a lot of bravery sometimes to put things that you care about up on the stage like like some, some of the first nights i saw you going up and doing stuff partly from partly from how you used to present but also just you know my own i didn't know you were teaching at the time and i think i might have had one idea about what kinds of poems you do and then you did ones about how much it galls you when the parents of the kids you teach don't believe in their kids enough and i feel like the the way that um, it takes some degree of bravery it's not just I'm not gonna lie there's also I think this is important enough to talk about and I I trust that the audience is gonna receive it that way is that there's a question in there somewhere fighting to get out sorry
3: (laughs) um well yeah by no means uh when I say about authenticity being important by no means do I couple that with it being easy Mm. um it, it can't be understated how much of a journey it takes to get to that, and it's one that I constantly falter on. And that's where a lot of introspection comes in handy, where you can look at yourself and go, hmm, I said that thing. Do I really feel that now? And you can allow, you allow yourself these mistakes as well. That's part of mm. personal growth. Mm. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going. There, mm. there was a question somewhere in your yours and there was an answer somewhere <laughs> in mine.
0: There is something about, there are simple truths that you can get up on stage and just say, you can say something that's very easy and everyone's going to agree with, or you can say something that's quite Truthful about yourself mm. and there's a different level of risk
1: there,
3: perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not about and it's yes, taking risk, but not putting yourself at risk. That's mm. also a, a careful line to mm. tread. Because yeah, we're I'm sure we've all experienced it sometimes where you see a pert on stage and, and you worry for them because it doesn't feel like a safe sharing sometimes Mm -hmm. and you you do worry for them There, you think oh is this the place that you want to say this but then at the same time you have to trust their choice in that and also trust your response to it if you feel like it's not necessarily safe then you as a human have that uh, agency to go Mm. and check um Mm -hmm. so yeah you, you can take risks but being aware of putting yourself at risk there's a very careful balance to strike in these things and again it's not one that i've always struck well i mean there's a poem of mine that's relatively famous called trauma and i think the first few times i performed that piece i i wasn't ready to perform that piece and it wasn't actually helpful for me and perhaps even in some ways some scenarios not helpful mm. for the audience because I wasn't mm. presenting it in, in a safe way for me at that point it took me a long time to get there so again that's a, a learning curve but you have to allow yourself these things you can't punish mm. yourself for
1: mm. your know, yeah. journey as well I think it's interesting talking about authenticity um, and considering that in terms of voice and style like I think a lot of poets start out I, I certainly myself um either consciously or unconsciously kind of imitating mm. other poets that you like um and it can take quite a while to kind of really find the style or the the tones that you want to hit as a as a writer and as mm. a performer i think it's interesting it doesn't mean those 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 early pieces of work that you pu- that you put together weren't authentic but somehow you're kind of y- with more time you progress and learn more about your own voice yeah. and what you what you want to put out into the world and how you want to do it i think that's an interesting point i don't really have a question <laughs> off the back of that just i think it's in, i think it's interesting that you know having seen your work before you went away and having seen your work once you've come back you have what struck me when you came when i saw you for the first time once you come back was wow okay Rick really it seems like they've grown in confidence in themselves and you can really feel that in the work like not that you weren't before but you know what I mean
3: yeah I think as well just linking in what we're saying with authenticity one of the things where I learned quite harshly with authenticity was through the slam scene mm-hmm. because sometimes especially in our earlier days in slam And even in our later days, you know, there is a little bit of game theory that can take place. And I remember one time I had got through to the finals and the audience, it didn't feel like the audience were necessarily feeling the same vibe that I was feeling. And I felt like I had a piece that they would like, but I didn't (laughs) want to perform it. And I got really caught in that place of like, oh, I feel like this is going to get the be the piece that will get me through
4: yeah.
3: but it's yeah. not the piece I want to perform and I made the mistake of going up there and performing the piece that I thought would get me through then it didn't get me through mm-hmm. and so then I felt <laughs> horrific because I, I was like well I <laughs> didn't even do the piece I wanted know. to do and I still didn't get through yeah. and yeah. I would rather every time after that to not get through but still have represented myself authentically and I mean that completely Yeah, yeah. it's a horrible <laughs> feeling <laughs>
1: So, Rick, what's what's next for you? If you know or have any kind of clue, it's a, I mean, it sounds like everything you do is very eclectic. So, is there anything you're kind of got in the pipeline at the minute?
3: Oh, I've got I've got a few things in the pipeline. as i've said i'm running your place and that is weekly at the moment i i'm gonna try and keep it weekly actually as long as it remains sustainable and people still want it but we'll see so coming up we have your place uh this week's event is on the 7th of june that's a sunday we're on every sunday at 7 30 p.m in new zealand which equates to 8 30 a.m in the uk but you know you don't even have to get out of bed so it's not really a problem you can just open up your laptop so we have our slam on the 7th of June and that's open if you want to take part in that send me a message on your place events on Facebook and the week after that we've got our open mic with feature on the 14th of June with Wani Lefrere, who's the current Australian slam champion and just an incredible poet and beautiful human being I really wouldn't miss that out if you can at all help it come and join us there so that's the stuff for your place and personally I'm featuring at Catalyst Poetry which is a Christchurch born gig, beautiful people down in Christchurch that's on the 3rd of June you can look up Catalyst Poetry online and you'll find the event there and on the 6th of June I'm very lucky to be featuring for the New Zealand Poetry Society at their annual general meeting Uh, those beautiful folks have booked me in to perform for them and they've also given me an honorary membership to the New Zealand Poetry Society for my... uh, For the things that I've been doing During lockdown and for New Zealand Poetry in general, so that's really nice You mean your excellence in the arts Yeah, apparently So I've got those few things coming up I'm I'm also working on A few different projects, trying to get some videos Down, trying to do some vocal recording I still haven't got A book together, which is very Frustrating, because everyone asks me all the time And I need to get on with that But, I don't know, I need a publisher That's what I need any publishers out there give me a shout because I've got many books worth of stuff ready to go but just not the uh, motivation to put it together for some reason Um, so yeah working on a lot of projects at the moment circus stuff later in the year as well hopefully depending on what the situation is for rubbing up against people we'll see
1: and on that note yeah thank you very much for
0: joining us
3: do we have to finish on that note, I guess so.
0: Okay. We we'll can find out more about your work, Rick.
3: Oh that's that's a nice note to finish on, yeah, good. Um so you can find me At my website, rickthemost.com. That's R I K the most. So there's no C in there. I've got a couple of hippies for parents and they decided to spell it that way and curse me for life. So rickthemost.com is my website and same on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, all of those things. Rick the most, you'll find me. And if you want to find out about your place events, just search for that on Facebook and you can join our mailing list and you'll get all the information every week. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us from all the way across the world.
3: No worries. Thank you so much for having me. It's, I mean it from my absolute heart. It's so nice to hear all of your voices. You're all uh, friends of boys. mine and I hold yeah. you dearly as family. So thank you so much for having me.
0: In our writing tips section, we ask one of our favourite poets for a piece of writing advice or a prompt which you can use in your own work. This month, Jamal Hassan shares a tip. Take it away, Jamal.
3: Heyo, this is Jamal Hassan, and my writing tip is to practise your piece in front of the mirror. This is so that you can be aware of your pauses and also your gait and how you are performing it.
0: Now it's time for our book of the month, which this month is Flesh by Mary Jean Chan, chosen by Laurie. Uh, Laurie, why did you suggest this?
1: Why did I suggest it? Um, It's a good question because I've realized I don't actually have a copy of the book where I am in lockdown, um, which wasn't very smart. But um, I saw Mary Jean Chan read last year um, and she read from the collection Flesh, um, which won the Costa Book Award after I'd seen her um, last year. It's a collection which i really enjoyed reading um i was struck by for for context the word flesh in the title is uh not flesh as in like animal flesh but as in um it's a term it's it's spelled f-l-e-c-h-e and it's a term from fencing um and there's kind of a theme of fencing going through the poems um in the way that the book is structured there's different sections relating to different moves in fencing uh, which I don't know anything about fencing um but I what I did like and what I felt came off that was how kind of neat and carefully it felt in terms of its construction Mm. felt like there'd been a lot of restraint and a lot of precision in the writing yeah um and I really loved how the theme and the title of that of the book really fit in with that with that fencing theme that's it's always really interesting for me to see where kind of physicality and poetry meet Mm. um Mm. and that's one of the things that i liked about it i mean you guys have both read it way more recently than i have so (laughs) uh what did you guys think
0: well on the thing about fencing like like it is threaded throughout the book but so the title poem flesh is very much about fencing but also about kind of um Mary Jean's Chan's process of coming out um, mm-hmm. and and about sexuality and I don't know a huge amount about fencing but I am really impressed that somebody could make fencing sound sexy to be honest because it <laughs> <laughs> like okay, particularly particularly in a kind of um, in, in a gay female context because like okay there's an obvious thing about penetration I suppose if you were going to go for that but like it, obviously that isn't kind of what's going on here in the same way and it's just yeah, like kind of talking about sort of flicks of the wrist and movements of fingers and stuff. It's because it's a very <laughs> you know, it's a, you can't even see people's faces and you know, they've got these kind of big bulky uniforms on. It's never a sport I would have gone, yeah, this is an easy metaphor for sex. Um so <laughs> yeah, it's really quite impressive.
2: And yeah, I mean, I, I guess for background on or my background is, you know, what's what's on the end papers of this book, but um so she's was raised in Hong Kong and uh, represented Hong Kong internationally as a fencer. But there's a lot of stuff about um, uh, about fencing, about sort of cultural differences and translation and different languages and which ones you feel at home in or not, um, and also about the difficulties of coming out in culture where that is much harder work than it is perhaps in the uk depending on your various family setups etc um but so some of the fencing stuff is about this kind of the transformation into into that gear and then the transformation out of it that it's almost like almost like going into drag as a as a guy Talks about princes mm-hmm. and rescuing, and and that transition in and out of the gear when you maybe fancy someone in your class, at the same time that you are trying to keep your own feelings very concealed because because keeping things hidden. I guess I guess the precision the precision of fencing kind of fits with this hidden emotion, which has to be kept at an arm's length and managed very carefully, and being permanently scared of saying the wrong thing. I guess that that precision yeah. and that level of padding and defense that you that, that is part of the process of getting properly equipped to do fencing. Those, those themes are, one becomes a metaphor for the other throughout in a very yeah. interesting way. And then um, that
0: it's woven very beautifully with this theme around hunger as well, that kind of, so she mm-hmm. talks about coming out to her mother and her mother having lived through famine in China or through sort of, you know, three years of starvation and that there's this hunger for, sort of sexual contact and recognition but also a hunger to be kind of accepted by your mother and 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 the kind of where the issues with translation between you know how to have that conversation with your mother as well and it's just very beautifully and precisely blended together in this yeah it's quite neat to take these huge themes and Mm -hmm. actually wear them quite lightly um Mm. and and then together beautifully
1: there's a beautiful poem in it called Conversation with Fantasy Mother. It um, mm. starts uh, Dear Fantasy Mother, thank you for taking my coming out as calmly as a pond accepts a stone flung into its depths. And I love how the word fantasy, it's just the one thing that sets it apart for, like, the one thing you, that makes it you, all
2: sad and bittersweet in the first yes, place is yes, that this isn't it's, real.
1: <laughs> it, says that it isn't real immediately. Um, and you read that poem. It's not very long.
2: You read the reverse, <laughs> the underside that's not in that.
1: Yeah. And there's another one where, um, and I can't remember the title of the poem, and I haven't got the book uh, with me annoyingly, where she uses space. Uh, running down the centre of the page yeah. split out a left and a right side There's at least um, two
2: of those I think one is for um, the Orlando nightclub Yeah, at the Castro um, Yeah There's one uh, for there's splitting one as
0: well. Yeah, it's a lovely one early on that uses kind of, looks like, looks like two people fencing, like it's two lines two pairs of lines coming from opposite sides of the page, like, so you're reading the conversation back and forth, like um, somebody fencing, which is really quite clever,
1: yeah. mm. and it's also like a feeling of having that space feels like like a cut almost, like mm. a, a jab or a, yeah. um, something's being cut, and a, and again the 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 fantasy and the fantasy mother poem adds adds that kind of element of of absence, which I think is a, a thing that kind of recurs throughout the book.
2: Yeah, there's there's a very strong theme of what what you do and what you don't say. There's one poem. Uh, called I've got it open here. Uh, what my mother brackets a poet brackets and brackets might say, and it intersperses the truth and those. It's always two lines, and they're always then crossed out with, and then the the line that repeats is that Mao wrote beautiful Chinese calligraphy. That 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 is the thing you're allowed to say, and that she had scurvy as a child, or the horrible her mother's memories of seeing her father the poet's grandfather um die in front of her like all these things are crossed out and what she actually says is that Mao wrote beautiful Chinese calligraphy um and yeah yeah yeah, the the themes of censorship and self-censorship and what what you are or aren't allowed to the the amount that is going on under the surface is a theme that is Mm. threaded throughout um Including when she introduces a Western girlfriend to her parents, and her mother says something positive about the uh, the was it the dragon and the monkey was it the 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 horse and the monkey which which year um which Chinese zodiac year they are from and her mother says something about positive about monkeys being auspicious creatures and this is a huge blessing from her mother which she knows that her Western girlfriend doesn't understand the significance of the, the the gap between translation and translation and missed communication and that also people self-censor hugely when you've been raised under such horrible political circumstances yeah the the um the the themes that big are then translated through to these very specific very precise events it's it's a poet even slightly less talented with themes this big it would be an incredibly different poem uh, an incredibly different collection yeah like
1: well, I love the fact that she she tackles very big themes like sexuality, like um, her identity being uh, kind of uh, both Hong Kong, Hong Kong Chinese and Hong Kong British, um, as as I understand. Uh, please correct me if I am wrong on that, but I, I understand that's her identity, um, and uh, you know, thinking about thinking about quite large themes, but in a very very small and personal space is something that I love about the way that she writes Mm.
0: and the kindness I think that's there as well like I think it would be easy to write a poem or to write a collection of poems in which the mother comes off as a bit of a villain or or something like that and Mm. it's not because how do you how do you balance these horrendous experiences with the the, the mother is cleaving through with then but I would very much like you to accept me as gay and 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 like yeah, the the, the kindness and that is mixed in with that makes it all the more heartbreaking in a lot of ways when there are these miscommunications and these kind yeah. of gaps that maybe never will quite get filled. Hmm. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, there's this particular line in um the poem Hannah was just mentioning, what my mother, a poet, might say of, uh and it, the the these two lines are crossed out that her neurons are a crumbling wall, a crumbling great wall that I am a new earth arising from hierarchies of bone. It's very very loaded in history in uh chinese history specifically in censorship because it's been crossed out in sexuality as well but it's all tied together very very neatly and very personally
3: Mm.
1: without attacking her mum yeah
0: and i also think there's something on this kind of issue of miscommunication or, or, or gaps in translation that you know there are chinese characters throughout the book. There are poems, the calligrapher, and there's uh, an eternal and or an internal ampersand. And it just doesn't really, there's a couple of notes in the back, but it doesn't really explain the translations. And you're just aware that, you know, if you don't speak Cantonese Mandarin, you're not going to get this. And that's fine. You know, that's there's this kind of there are gaps built into it for some of the audience.
2: So that you can feel to some, some smalls. In some small, minute experience, yeah. what the mistranslation, yeah. And there's one, there's, there's, I think, is it two or three poems uh, called "Written in a Historically White Space," but um, there's one about hmm. a, I believe, I believe a white guy looking at poems and asking, "Why don't you write in?" Well, it's, it's, it's sort of punctuated with characters I cannot read. And the audience can either, I mean, either you can read it and you know what it means, or, or if you don't speak the language, then you can kind of infer from the gap and from where it is, what it is. Um, but, mm. or white, I believe it is white audience, white reader asking, why aren't you writing in your native language? And the answer is you wouldn't be reading this if I wasn't. Um, and that mm. it, it there's more going on in the poem it's it's a more complex piece than i've summarized but um yeah that tension
1: going back to the fencing analogy there's kind of something behind the mask that we're not quite always able to see Mm. um a few readers may but a lot of readers won't quite get the whole story and that's okay Mm. you won't see the face behind the mask necessarily
2: and that's part of what the what the collection is about (laughs) is those gaps Mm. and that there's one poem, I think, quite early on about... Um, maybe is, is it's even the first one. About um, being in a Western bookshop. Uh, what is it? Rules for a Chinese child buying stationery in a London bookshop. And about the amount of... The, the depth behind that interaction of sort of knowing that you are representing the whole class to that dude behind the till. Um, and seeking oh. his approval, but also there is there's a pain in it and there's a there's a performance put on to gain that approval and the microaggressions that you that some readers might not know that they are <laughs> readers like myself might not be aware of it it brings them out mm. and yet there is still yeah. hidden like obviously you can't you can't fully understand the experience of being the outsider unless you've been there so there's these on the one hand, it it reveals a lot and, and sort of holds your hand and takes you through this experience that you wouldn't necessarily have had as a white reader personally. And also there are gaps of like, yeah. you're not going to understand this. That's what it's like. <laughs> that That is understanding. Um, that is some small fraction of understanding, I should say.
1: Did you like it?
0: Oh, yeah,
2: loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I really, really liked it. I, I read it. Very fast to to be to be able to uh, talk about it today, but I'm definitely going to go back through to it. And I was telling Rebecca actually before we started uh, recording when I was reading it in sort of two big gulps yesterday. I did a couple of times break off to write something new, and I have not been writing stuff much. And it really it 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 was it was so precise and so well done that it it was also inspiring and spun me off in a few directions of completely other things um yeah no i've
1: yeah we... sorry go on mm,
2: no just that that's a that's a good review for me it's not it's not yeah. i well, a i need to read it again to i think get more out of it because i i'm aware that i chugged through it to be able to talk about it now but also yeah i thought there was loads going on and it inspired me to do other to do things as well it's it's there's a lot to digest i will be back
1: thing i would add is that uh, um and we didn't really touch on it that much today but a lot of the a lot of her choices in terms of layout are really mm. interesting throughout the book. And if yep. you're a poet who's thinking about layouts and thinking about trying to make your poems sing a little bit more mm. on the page, I mean, I definitely like got inspiration from it. And it's a, it's a really good source for kind of inspiration around that, I think.
2: Mm.
0: And it, it does hang together very beautifully as a collection, actually. Like, it's yeah. just, yeah, they are intertwined these themes and these ideas and these moments and it has callbacks to earlier poems and
2: yeah. Yeah no I can see why it has gotten all the all the awards and uh, short listings.
1: We like it.
0: Yes we do and we would highly <laughs> recommend it. Uh, so that's Mary Jean Chan's Flesh and that's available from Faber and Faber. Right shall we do our new slimline notice board?
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: This month we're introducing a new condensed version of the notice board where we spotlight 10 or so opportunities to look out for where you can perform your work or submit it for publication Uh, so uh starting off with uh ooh beehives uk online slam championship has its second heat on june the 7th it's a zoom slam with three rounds and 15 poets competing for a prize of 75 pounds and a slot in the grand final in december um if you search on facebook for that you will find it so ooh beehive with three o's in ooh Uh, On June the 18th, there will be a Say Out live stream starting at 7.30pm featuring some of Bad Betty Press's awesome poet Gabriel Okomo, Anya Koenig and Kirsten Luckin. And then in terms of submissions, Verve Poetry Press in Birmingham has opened its very first submissions window. They're looking for pamphlets and full length submissions. uh, And the window closes on the 20th of June. They've got a lot of good information about what they're looking for in terms of pamphlets versus collections, different lengths and things like that on their website. Uh, So visit vervepoetrypress.com forward slash submissions Dash will open for more information.
2: So the ones I would like to highlight are um, the Morecambe Fringe online channel. Um, the Morecambe Fringe uh, first happened in 2019. It's set up by Matt Panesh, better known sometimes as the monkey poet, um, who reckoned that uh, Edinburgh Fringe performers needed a kind of chill out space before they then enter the review, <laughs> before they go back out into the world after that. So it's it was set up to happen after the edinburgh fringe so sort of late august early september um obviously due to the stuff that is not happening uh in a physical space but the Morecambe fringe channel um is still going to be set up so if you would like to submit videos to that um they want to hear people performing poems that they have the rights to please no one pretending you Wrote something by Dylan Thomas, um and so if you email morcomfringe at gmail.com with Fringe Network Poetry in the title, and share and links, then that's that's how to get into that. um And I'm yeah really also, excited to see. If you've
1: got any poems about Hawkwind, they will almost certainly get in.
2: Poems about what? That is
1: true. Hawkwind, the band oh god matt Matt, i
2: i have literally never seen matt in a t-shirt that does not say hawkwind on it and i've seen him wearing a lot of different (laughs) t-shirts um he's obsessed um
1: his last show his last show was called the highs and highs of being a hawkwind fan Uh, um
2: and also um
1: yeah and, and matt
2: I should say, sorry, has been the director of uh spoken word at the PBH section, free fringe section of the Edinburgh Fringe for many years. Um and Faye Roberts, I believe. Uh yes, co-director with Faye more recently. But yeah, Matt's Matt's been organizing shit since since before you were born, depending on when you were born. And and has set up it was in the process of setting up a physical space. I think they've got some big music hall in in Morecambe. It's When that's back on its feet, I can't wait to see it. Um, uh, This is not exactly a a submission opportunity, but um, I went looking around and the National Centre for Writing, which is based in Norwich. um, I don't know if they were doing this before the pandemic or not, but they they run various writing courses and obviously that has all moved to online. Um, But they've also got... So that's, that's some of... They have a variety of different courses, fiction, nonfiction, different genres. Um, But also, I don't know if they're doing this before the pandemic or not, but they now have some of the self-paced courses, the online ones, rather than sort of then having a chat necessarily, are also available for free. So you can try before you buy and then decide if you want to pay for um, an an additional course. But those are all online at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk forward slash online-writing-courses. hyphen um, And the other thing that I want to uh, highlight is it's not exactly a publication opportunity, but it is one of the best workshops I have. They do have a magazine as well, uh, but Lost Lit is a monthly event that happens on Twitter. It's always on the first Wednesday of the month, 9pm um, till 11pm, and it's run by... Kit Kalis, who's one of the founders of Influx Press, and Alki Shills, who is is the judge, director, trustee of more literary things than I can, than you can shake a stick at. Um, and they the the event is called Lost Lit, and what you do is you write your fiction, flash fiction, micro poetry, whatever you like, on the theme of loss, literary stuff on the theme of loss, and then stick hashtag losslit. Lit, and it there's something about just in real time, two hours, go, write stuff, go. And you see other people's stuff happening in real time. And some of my best stuff has come out of things that I started writing down for or during Lost Lit. I tend to watch it with about three tabs open, with um one just following the hashtag, <laughs> one and and one for myself to write more quietly. And yeah, it's it's just it's all on the theme of loss, so I strongly suspect at the moment, content warning, it might well be pretty fucking miserable, but also <laughs> there's a lot of beautiful, bittersweet things that come out of it. Um, yeah, I, I highly recommend that just as a as a format for just getting ideas out and down. And then they do have a publication that's, I think, quarterly. I'm not sure. They have submission windows every now and again for stuff on the theme of loss, which you may well have come up with during a loss lit write session. Cool, Laurie.
0: Your events.
1: Cool. So, obviously, poetry at your place we've already talked about earlier. Um, but Word Up are continuing to run monthly events and workshops um, on their Facebook. Uh, you can find more information. Uh, that's Word Up LDN for Word Up London, um, and yeah, they're doing um, both live events and live workshops, um, including some really cool ones. There's uh, one just gone with Zena Edwards uh, working on it. So there's a lot of really cool stuff going on there. Um, and that's also alongside their weekly uh, Words Down writing workshops as well, which are taking place on Zoom. Uh, if you can look you can look up uh, Words, Word Up or Words Down for info on those. Um, We've got Big Poetry Goes Viral um, with Robert Garnham based down in Torquay. But obviously, as with all events right now, they're international. So um, a good thing to be doing would be to check, up their, um, check out their social media um, and see if you can get involved. Uh, they're a very friendly bunch and often running regular events. I think they're doing them about every week at the minute. We've um, also got... At the minute, uh, the Young Poets Laureate for London, Teresa Lola, um, has launched a um, campaign called Hashtag Say Your Peace, um, which encourages young people to use poetry to find peace and solace during the uncertain times the world faces. Peace, peace spelt
2: um, as in give it a chance.
1: <laughs> peace as in give give peace a chance, yeah. Um, take part. Um, you can share an original poem, quote, or a piece of writing with the hashtag uh, Say Your Peace. Um, as Hannah just said peace with a -A E-A-C-E and to make sure that they pick it up uh, if you tag STW events on Twitter or spread the word writers on Instagram um, or you can also email your poems to hello at spreadtheword.org.uk and let them know if you're happy for them to share them Teresa Lola is a great writer it's a really nice opportunity to spread some love and peace at this time through poetry
0: Awesome. So yeah, all of this will be available on our social media later on, and possibly with a slightly bigger notice board. We haven't quite worked out what that's going to look like. Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. um... Also to mention, we've we put a shout out on social media, but Mm. we're looking for feedback on the notice board just in general Mm. at the minute, um, and trying to work out whether people value the way that we've been running it, the way that we're running it now with the kind of condensed version. So um or whether you guys just frankly don't want the notice board um so get in touch let us know what you think and we will listen to your feedback
0: yeah. consensus seem to be useful but smaller would be better uh, but yeah if you have any thoughts please do get in touch if you have thoughts about anything else please do get in touch as well um it's very nice when we hear from people that are listening to us uh, when we're sat in our rooms talking into the dark like this so yes, <laughs> do get in touch on twitter at dead pod facebook as dead darlings podcast and you can email us at dead darlings at gmail.com uh, you can also rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast particularly itunes i'm told is very very helpful uh, and help spread the word you can also leave reviews on our facebook page which would be nice too if you fancy doing that guys so do feel free that would be lovely if you want to get in touch with me personally you can contact me on twitter at rebecca k cooney instagram at any name but becky laurie how can people find out more about you
1: you can find out about me uh, on Facebook uh, at Laurie Eves Poet, on Instagram at Laurie Eves Poet, and on Facebook at Mr. L. Eves, Mr. Leaves. Um, you can also find my website, which is Um And if you're interested in buying my book and or now shiny brick red cassette, um you can grab a copy uh through my big cartel site which is laurieves.bigcartel.com um or through for the book version through burningeye.co.uk
0: hannah anything you want to plug slash how can people get in touch with you
2: uh i've not got that much to plug at the moment but oh tell i um i'm i'm running uh the monthly insights uh lgbtq plus 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 uh open mics which are run by forum plus so you can find them on facebook um it's insight poetry with an exclamation mark after insight and i am hannah Hutzber. you can find me at hannah underscore Hutzpah. that's c-h-u-t-z-p-a-h I, I chose a Yiddish stage name to make it easier to find me and spell my name. You can find me on uh Twitter as Hannah underscore Hutzberg Ditto on Instagram and I'm a forward slash Hannah Hutzberg poet once you're on Facebook and my website is com. Just, just just my name. Just my name.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um okay, so our poem of the month was performed by Ces Thomason and um before we share that poem with you i just want to say thank you for uh, thank you to says for letting us showcase their work uh thank you to my co-hosts hannah and laurie to the awesome rick the most for joining us to texas radio for our theme music and to you for listening
4: Bye. bye, bye. bye. out and proud it's 1986 i'm on the train with my mum and i'm wishing that she would explain what i'm looking at a sticker pink and black on the black leather jacket of the girl sitting opposite me because i can't stop staring at her crew cut the jeans and the t-shirt and jacket she's wearing the look in her eyes i recognise as defiance she sparkles she glitters she's someone like me someone who won't fit as the rest of them do and her stickers there's one on each shoe another one on her backpack whatever it means she's keen for me to know it she's telling the world though not quite out loud out and proud i'm seven and i'm good at reading but this strange new slogan seems somehow misleading out and. They don't go together. It should be out of, and I don't know whether it's okay to ask. She looks fierce. Her lip and her nose and her eyebrow are pierced, and she glitters with the light of someone I might like to be one day, when I'm not so afraid. But I know what Mum would say. Don't bother the lady. Don't talk to strangers. She looks a bit like my sister, who's braver than, than I am. I'm seven, and I'm good at trying to be invisible. I'm used to hiding in plain sight, putting myself in a bubble, being unobtrusive, no trouble, and I'm good at reading proud pride it's a thing you can feel if you've tried and you've done something right you've succeeded but what did she do it's impossible to tell maybe my reading isn't as good as i thought and as we go further and further north she seems to become more and more alone maybe she's been with her friends all day and now just like me and my mum she's off home or somewhere she really doesn't want to go She's furtive. Her eyes dart up and down the crowded carriage and then start to droop. She's tired. I hope she doesn't mind. I'm watching her reflection against the blurring countryside. I don't want her to lose her pride. But it seems to me with every mile she's leaving it further behind. The train pulls into Leeds. She stands up, peels off the stickers, sticks them back to back, stashes them in the back pocket of her backpack. Leaves. In the toilets in Leeds, I ask my mum, what does out and proud mean? She sighs with relief. I'm so glad you didn't ask on the train. I wouldn't have known what to say, but she doesn't explain. At home, I ask my sister, Pierce knows. fierce knows everything. There was this girl on the train and she had this sticker. And what does out and proud mean? She grins, begins explaining. Well, you know how I'm going out with Max and Tom's Anna's boyfriend. Well, that girl has a girlfriend instead of a boy. And some people don't like that. So she's saying, oh, yeah, I'm proud of who I am. The out, that just means there's no secret. I pout. Can't believe it. This wasn't in the book Mum made me read about sperm and vagina and babies. The Facts of Life. This seems like something I should have been told about. Lots of things the Facts of Life. What a stupid title for a book that leaves so many things out. But it's five years before I learn any name for ways that I'm like her. I hope that she realised how much I liked her, and in the years to come of being locked out, left out, forced out, pushed out, she... Made it that bit easier to hack it, because she had a sticker on her jacket that told me that I was allowed to be different, out and proud. I'm says Thomason, and uh, you can find my poetry at on my Twitter, which is at wordgeek says. Um, if you search for the hashtag Sonnets from the Torture Days, you can read my current series of daily sonnets about the coronavirus situation. And you can also find my book, Historical Plans of How Romans Made Drains, which is about my experience growing up autistic and not knowing that, and that is available from Picaroon Publishing. Thank you.